Welcome, welcome, welcome into a Thursday edition of Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan in 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney, and uh, a lot to get into today. Remembering IU head coach Bob Knight, who passed away yesterday, the age of three. We'll dedicate much of the show to Bob Knight, his legacy, and everything tied to it uh, with IU basketball and the and basketball around the state of Indiana. 46862 is your text line number 46862. Just type in CK first or your questions, comments, rants, whatever you have for us. Uh, send them our way on the text line. Uh, we'll get to Bob Knight in a bit. Headlines here shortly, but first off, morning, Justin. Morning, Caleb. How are we doing? Uh, you know, it, it. we're getting to the end of the week because it's felt like a grind. You said yesterday it was going fast. You said, oh, it's yeah, Wednesday and already. then yesterday happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said. I was like, we're not even halfway through the week. I was I was feeling good, and then I don't know what time it was. I, I felt like I hit a wall probably, I don't know, 11 o'clock yesterday yeah. morning, and then I was just exhausted the rest of the day. Yeah, now we're now we're into Thursday. Now we're we're reaching the end of the week. Yes, thankfully. Unless you're like me, who has to work all the way through the weekend. So, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, I have other things work wise, not taking up a ton of time, but Friday night, Saturday afternoon. So there's always something, right? Always something. But yeah, it's a good morning. Didn't have to scrape this morning. Yes, that's a win. Yes. I agree. And slowly getting warmer and it should be a halfway decent weekend temperature wise. So we'll Plus we get an extra hour of sleep this weekend. We do. I, uh, for whatever reason, like was thinking earlier this week that, oh, we lose an hour of sleep. No, we gain an hour of sleep. The the downside is it gets dark at like 5 p.m., which I do not necessarily like. No, but I look at it as uh, a one hour sleep is crucial. I I don't get worked up by the whole time change thing. I do in the sense that we didn't have it for so long and we were fine and then we added it. And I just think it's dumb. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it's dumb or not dumb. I just, it doesn't affect. I, so, so it's an hour. I, I guess it, it, if I was spring, a farmer, if I was where it was, I'm really impacted by when it's light and when it's dark, maybe, but I'm not. Well, the issue I have is in the spring, when we spring forward, that next two weeks is brutal because everything, your body clock is off. Really? An I, hour. I'm yeah. not, I'm not affected it's, by it an hour. It takes me a while to adjust. Yeah. I'm not affected by an hour. Uh, Consider yourself lucky. I'm just always tired. It doesn't matter (laughs) if it's light or dark or whatever. I'm just always tired. But headlines this morning: the Rangers take out the Diamondbacks for the franchise's first World Series title. Five nothing win last night in Phoenix to seal it. Corey Seager wins his second World Series MVP and a couple of tin caps. Now World Series champions Austin Hedges and Travis Jankowski. So congrats to the the Rangers. This I thought this would be a lot closer series than what we got, to be honest. With the way Arizona was playing, yeah, but eventually you just hit that wall, and I think Arizona hit that wall after having to start and 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 play in that first series and continue to go. And I think it was a grind for Arizona. Texas just continued to get stronger. And I don't know why anybody thought Texas was going to lose this game last night. They haven't lost a road game the entire playoffs. <laughs> So, of course, they were going to win this game. And just an amazing run by the Texas Rangers. First World Series championship in franchise history. Now, I needed some clarification on this because 
they were the old Washington Senators, but they were the second iteration of the Washington Senators. The original became the Minnesota Twins. The second iteration that was like 61 to 71 did not win a World Series. So, and then they became the Texas Rangers. So it's the first World Series in franchise history going back to the Senators, but the Senators in did indeed win a World Series way back in 1924. Anyway, I was uh, I was curious about that last night, but congratulations to Texas Rangers. Bruce Bochy gets another World Series championship as a manager. He is one now of just a handful of managers that have won um, four World Series champions, joining Casey Stengel, Joe McCarthy, Connie Mack, Walter Alston, and Joe Torrey. His teams have won four of the last 14 World wow. Series. Well, and he joins a list outside of Joe Torrey. I mean, those are not modern. Yeah, modern Casey Stengel's the, the, the only name that, and Connie Mack, those two guys, but I, I couldn't tell you who Joe McCarthy or Walter Alston is. No. So the Rangers also, they lost 102 games in 2021. They're the third team to win a World Series within two years of a 100-loss season, joining the 1969 Mets and the 1914 Braves. And it shows, though, if you're willing to go out and spend money, which the Texas Rangers did after that 100-loss season, then you can make things happen. And Arizona played well. Uh, Zach Gallon last night pitched really well for Arizona, but it was the bullpen that couldn't hold it down, particularly when they put Paul Sewald in, and he just got dominated. Meanwhile, in the NFL, Aiden O'Connell has been named the Las Vegas Raiders starting quarterback for Sunday's game. All right, Jimmy boy, Garoppolo been benched, so O'Connell gets his second start this season after, obviously, a very tumultuous week for the organization as Mark Davis fired Head coach Josh McDaniels, general manager manager Dave Ziegler, uh, and and moved Antonio Pierce, former linebackers coach, longtime NFL linebacker, worked for ESPN for a bit as well, uh, into the interim head coaching role. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you got to see, I guess, what you have with Aiden O'Connell. It's not like Jimmy G's been very effective. Uh, Brian Hoyer's terrible. I may as well just see with Aiden O'Connell. I think the the uh, the Brock Purdy craze. The Brock Purdy effect in the NFL is having impacts on every team in the NFL because everybody thinks that they don't, if they don't have a quarterback, think that maybe their mid-round or late-round pick can be Brock Purdy. So you're seeing the Chicago Bears with Tyson Bajant, and they're hoping, hey, maybe this is Brock Purdy. I think that's where you're at with the with the Vegas Raiders right now, going, hey, maybe we have Brock Purdy and Aiden O'Connell. And all that goes back to Tom Brady, right, as a six-round pick being the, the greatest quarterback to ever play the game um, and everyone's looking for that value pick early on and then build a franchise. I mean, that's what the Niners hope they have with Purdy now. Is that what they have? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. It's not trending in the right direction, certainly, but they're hoping for that moving forward. Yeah, it, Brock Purdy's the exception rather than the rule, for sure. Meanwhile, in Tennessee, the Titans have ruled out Ryan Tannehill. Once again, Will Levis will start at quarterback for his second start. He'll start tonight against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So for Will Levis, what a turnaround it's been just in the last week and change uh, compared to you know his time entering the NFL. And then you, you figured he'd get a chance, and here it's coming halfway through the year. I'm almost surprised Tennessee didn't just trade Tannehill at the deadline. He's going to throw for four more touchdowns tonight, right? <laughs> I don't think so. No? Steelers have a pretty solid defense. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Dexter point out Texas had to make a run too. I mean, they were they were the fifth seed and the sixth seed in the World Series, which is pretty impressive. I just felt like Arizona. They 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 played well, but eventually they just this lost steam. They they I don't know. They just didn't look like the team that beat Milwaukee and the Dodgers in the playoffs. They just seemed to peter out at the end, and Texas just seemed to get stronger. Four six eight six two again. Your text line number to reach us. Um, this is someone saying desperate times call for desperate measures for the Raiders. Yeah, well, that is a desperate franchise, and you moved to Vegas. You, you thought you had some momentum. And <laughs> you lose Derek Carr. He wants out. Uh, that was a, a disaster. And now you've been lucky to hold on to Devontae Adams. And now you're just trying to find a quarterback when you thought Jimmy Garoppolo could be that guy. Not that not that we thought he could be that guy, to be clear. No. But they were hoping uh, he could be that guy. Here's my thinking with the Raiders. You trade you're you're I really think you're looking at it as how do we get as good of a draft pick as possible and starting Aiden O'Connell could help a a long way towards going to having a high draft pick in college football the big 12 has released their scheduling matrix for the next four years 24 to 2027 Um, the ensures the 16 teams will play one another at home and on the road at least once over the four-year period but they're only maintaining four permanent rivalries Baylor TCU Arizona, Arizona State, BYU, Utah, and Kansas, Kansas State. But where? I mean, where are how, the other rivalries? Well, what what rivalries are even in the Big Twelve anymore? Yeah, those are the ones that are there. I mean, the, I mean you have all these you Houston, don't have, Cincinnati, you don't Central have, Florida. Yeah, right. You don't have Bedlam. I mean, this this week will be the last Bedlam for the foreseeable future with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Uh, but what, what what rivalries need to be protected in the Big Twelve? When you say, like you said, UCF, Cincinnati, They've, Houston. They, pr- they protected the ones that need protected. Arizona State. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, find me a rivalry of the Big 12 that's not protected with the new look Big 12. Can't do it. No. There's, there's no West Virginia pit, right? It's not. No, a- I mean, the, like it's not a rivalry game. Maybe it will become one, but West Virginia, Cincinnati. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't think that gets people that excited to begin with. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I like that every team will play each other. You know what? Once over the the four year period, it's it's better than the what twice over seven years ACC model. Yeah. It's just laughable. But you wonder these bigger conferences and expansion. You'll have less, more natural geographic and, and traditional rivalry games. I wonder if that will impact things. Oh, I don't know, like TV ratings. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if if I don't know if purists. I mean, purists care about rivalries, but if Utah and Houston are two top five teams next year playing in the Big Twelve, everybody's going to tune in regardless. Yeah. Then, well, as always, and I've 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 read this, and it makes sense. If there's a number attached to a team. Yes. People will watch. And me too. Like, if if the 24th ranked team is playing the 22nd ranked team, I'm I'm watching that. If the hypothetical 26th ranked team is playing the 27th, I don't care. But if you have a top 25 team playing and they're playing each other, then I'm all in. I am to blame for that. So they, again, will operate without divisions. Top two teams will face off in the Big 12 championship game, just like pretty much every other conference moving forward is scrapping divisions and and moving to just top two win percentage. No, no, No change from what other teams have done. 
Um, in the NBA last night, the Pacers. Oof. They stink. Playing the Celtics, it did not go well. 155 points. How do you allow 155 points in a regulation basketball game? I don't know. <laughs> like, this is not the all-star game. No. This is not the dream team. 150, that's absurd. Celtics had 75 points at halftime. So stupid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it was the second largest margin of victory for the Pacers in a loss. The other was against the Warriors, I think, in like the early 90s, if I'm not mistaken. So um, that is quite, quite the defeat for the Pacers in that game. Again, 155 to 104, the 51-point margin, second largest in franchise history, T.J. McConnell led the way with 18 points. We got to see uh, Jarris Walker, the rookie, get some playing time. He had eight points in this game. Um, Boston's good, not that anyone expected otherwise. They're 4-0. Pacers dropped to 2-2. Two and two, But well, just a, a near-historic defeat for the Pacers. All the excitement from the first two games has kind of just evaporated over the last two games for the Pacers. To, to put in perspective, the last time the Celtics scored 155 points in a regular season game, they only had one championship banner in the Boston Garden. Red Auerbach was still the coach, and the Lakers were still in Minneapolis. Was it 1958, 1959? Uh, yes. They edged Minneapolis 173 to 139. <laughs> At least Minneapolis scored 139 points in that game. The Pacers again last night, we mentioned it in their first loss of the season, inability to shoot threes. Last night they were 5 of 37. 5 of 37. I can shoot 5 of 37 from 3. Um, but that, again, doesn't explain giving up 155 points either. No. Terrible. Well, and we knew defensively, and that would be streaky, right? And they had their moments positive and negative last year. Well, it's started off the same this year. To be fair, though, the Celtics, we expect to be one of the top teams in the East. But... Like you said, giving up 155 points is pretty bad. I think this is the thing, too, with the Pacers, is you are hoping to find consistency with the Pacers, and you may still get it, but you you had a team that looked like and played like one of the top 10 teams in the NBA through the first two games, and I know it's just two games, but then you've had a team play as one of the bottom 10 teams in the league the last two games. So what is this? Is it more, are the Pacers going to be more like their first two games? Or their last two games? Or are they just going to be Doc, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and just be like this all year where they play really good and then two nights later get housed by 41 points like they did last night? The Fort Wayne Comets making a roster move. Forward Cameron Wright recalled by the Bakersfield Condors. And Purdue basketball in action last night. Their final exhibition game. And they defeated Grace College 98-51 to at Mackey Arena. I know that there's people out there that want to talk Purdue basketball. They want to talk about IU basketball, at least on the court. I have no interest in exhibition games. I mean, it was cool last night playing Grace and a lot of uh, Blackhawk Christian uh, and area connections there um, with uh, between Purdue and, and Grace with players. I get it, but I, I couldn't care less about exhibition basketball. Couldn't care less. Yeah, I'm. I'm. The only the only notable thing I think that happened in exhibition games is the fact that Louisville lost to a, a D two school. Again. Yeah, which is which is embarrassing. But y- you want to break down how such and such played in an exhibition game? No, I'm not doing it. 
nor am I going to be concerned that Purdue lost on the road at Arkansas in an exhibition game. Don't care. In overtime. Not worried about it. Not at all. So, you know, with Grace, you have Gage Sefton from Blackhawk Christian. You have Marcus Davidson from Blackhawk Christian. You have Caleb First from Blackhawk Christian on Purdue. And uh, his Fletcher Lawyer. Fletcher Lawyer from Homestead. Uh, Caleb's younger brother is a walk-on, I want to say, at Purdue. So... There's a lot of, of Blackhawk Christian fa- flavor and Fort Wayne flavor, but you know, good for Grace. You got to go and get a paycheck and, and get beat up by Purdue. 46862, again, the text line number where you can reach us. If you want to send your comments on Bob Knight, we're going to dive into that and, and be in that topic seemingly the rest of the show this morning because there's just a lot to get to. Deservedly so. The legendary IU coach passed away yesterday at age 83. Uh, just looking at the resume, he was the IU coach for 29 years, 1976, 1981, and 1987 NCAA uh, champion. Five Final Fours, had one in 73 and, what, 92. Uh, and then three-time AP Coach of the Year, obviously numerous Big Ten titles, numerous Big Ten Coach of the Year titles. Uh, coached the Hoosiers uh, from 71 to 2000 between his time at Army Indiana and Texas Tech, 902 wins, which when he retired in 2008 was the most all-time. Uh, he now stands, what, sixth on that list. So the the list of accomplishments is long, and we'll, we'll get into other things and other elements of, of all of this, but he is, without a doubt, one of the greatest college basketball, let alone basketball coaches of all time. Changed the game in so many ways, and uh, a, a a figure that is known throughout the college basketball world. Whether you love him, whether you hate him, whether you're indifferent to him, you cannot dismiss the impact that Bobby Knight had on the game. There is there is no marginalizing that, and that's I, I think maybe the, the the biggest thing to take out of Bobby Knight's passing is just the the uh, the impact he made on college basketball. Not just in the state of Indiana. I mean, we'll get to it too about people talk about Peyton Manning changing this state in terms of football and I think you can argue that with with Bobby Knight too, or at least being the the, the, the face of of the sport in the state uh, but across the country as well and his, his lineage and his coaching tree and 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 all that it's just um it, it, you cannot discount it whatsoever he also uh coached team usa to a 1979 pan am games gold we'll have more on that uh, a bit later on and a 1984 olympic games gold as well uh he recognized the talent of michael jordan you know during that time michael jordan on that team uh and then you got to go back obviously you had his firing then he came back to assembly hall uh, just a couple of years ago, February 8th, 2020, uh, for the IU-Purdue game. Never would have guessed he would have come back during the Archie Miller of all eras, but he did. Fans embraced him. That was was done, and I think it gave, hopefully, him and, and a lot of fans closure on everything that happened 20 years earlier. Unfortunately for IU, is in the midst of a bad season. They lost, they the lost that game. Yeah. That was the word. That was like Archie. That was when fans officially turned on Archie. Yeah, the ones that hadn't already was when you finally get Bobby Knight back at the Assembly Hall and you lose. You lose to Purdue. To Purdue, it was not good. 
And also, let's not forget, I, I mean, I, I get that he was not a star player on this team, but he also was a 1960 NCAA champion as a player with Ohio State. Helps when you have teammates like Jerry Lucas and John Havlicek. And don't forget, he was an assistant for two years at Cuyahoga Falls High School. Yeah. In Ohio <laughs> in 1962 and 1963 before he went to Army. But uh, text rolling in 46862 talking about Bobby Knight. Uh, CK went to Ireland, what I said. When I said I was from Indiana multiple times, Said, oh, Bobby Knight. So he is world known. Uh, definitely. Absolutely. Put put the state of Indiana on the map. Complicated legacy, to say the least. But here's the thing. And, and I was thinking about this last night and, and driving in this morning is the majority of people that were involved with Bobby Knight in some capacity came out with favorable uh, feelings about Bobby Knight. And isn't that all of us? Isn't that everybody? Like, was, was he rude? Of course he was. Was he cantankerous? Was he an ass? For sure. But he was, <laughs> here's my thing, he was an ass to everybody. It wasn't anything personal, anything to a media member or whatever. Like, he was an equal opportunity ass is basically what he was. He, Nobody he, was safe. He had a temper. I mean, no one's going to He had a that. temper. And it just he, he was who he was. He owned it. I've said this about other people, like Jay Cutler is... He never put on a facade. You never came away say, well, Bobby Knight is portraying this when he's actually this. And we know so many um, politicians and athletes and um, movie stars and all that stuff. They do that. Put on a facade. And and, and behind the scenes, they're this, this, this. Bobby Knight was who he was. He never shied away from it. He, He owned it. He never tried to be something he wasn't. He was an acquired taste. He pissed a lot of people off. But you know what? He was who he was. And either you accepted it or you didn't, and neither was wrong. But at least you knew what you were getting with Bobby Knight. Uh, text coming in, CK. Two things I loved about Bobby Knight. His love for his players and a commitment to excellence. Two amazing traits in a coach. He will be missed. Again, Keep sending your text 46862, and we'll share your thoughts throughout the show this morning. So we we talk about, you know, the success. Also, though, I, I don't think we can talk about Bobby Knight, right, without some of the failures, and we'll get into that on the other side. And I think sometimes his greatest strengths also turn into his greatest weaknesses, and we'll kind of show you how that played out in uh, these examples on the other side. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, remembering Bobby Knight here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney, you with us on the text line at 46862. Again, 46862. Continue to send in your texts on former IU coach Bobby Knight, who passed away yesterday at the age of 83. Uh, someone texting in, uh, CK being an Illini fan for the last 40-plus years, I didn't hate Knight. Always savored wins against the Hoosiers, but totally respected, didn't love Knight. That's, I think, the, uh, how a lot of people feel, uh, Purdue fans, especially when you grew up watching Bobby Knight coach teams and it was Katie versus Knight, is y- you didn't like him, and some people despised him, but damn, you respected him. And you respected what he did for the game and his teams and how they played. They played hard. They played good defense. I mean, even when Bobby Knight visited the Assembly Hall a couple of years ago 
and and he starts leading a defense chant like that. Like that was him. Man. He didn't look like he knew where the hell he was, but by God, he knew that defense was key. And um, complicated dude. But I, I I fall back to he was who he was. He didn't care who he pissed off, who was in his path. And some people have negative opinions of him because of that. And I understand, particularly if you're in the direct uh, ire of Bobby Knight. But you knew what you were getting with Bobby Knight. And he didn't change who he was for anybody. And I think that's something we should all live by. He did not shy away from that. And he owned whether it. you liked him, you hated him, you loved him, or you were indifferent, he, he, he owned it. And he he transcends generations. So some of our listeners will remember watching him and when he first took over at, at Indiana. Some people will remember for the national championship. I will remember him in the '90s and coaching at Indiana and and watching games on Tuesday nights downstairs in the basement and and playing basketball, a little mini basketball with with Indiana games on on old ESPN Plus. Right, uh, even today, like. Young people remember Bobby Knight as okay. I don't remember him coaching, but I remember I know who this guy is. He was on ESPN or you know something like that. I I know what even young people know. Okay, I never saw a game that Bobby Knight coached, but I know what he means to the game and what he meant to India, what he meant to college basketball. So he's generationally transcended uh, eras in terms of his impact. So we, we get into the complications. We're only going to do this one segment. I don't want to harp on it too long, but they are there, right? You, you have his time in the Army. That's where he developed a, a reputation for a temper, served in the Army. Then he coached there, and that's when that came about. Uh, you have a wild incident. I, I mentioned the 1979 Pan Am Games uh, coaching Team USA. He was convicted of absentia, which uh, he wasn't extradited you know, back to Puerto Rico, yeah, to Puerto but basically Rico. a, a police officer apparently accidentally like poked him in the eye and then night, uh, it was accused of striking him. Uh, and then night thought he had essentially ruined his chance of, of coaching team USA in the Olympics and obviously didn't go back to Puerto Rico, but, um, obviously did not ruin his chance either as he coached the 1984 Olympic team. But that was really kind of the, the first incident, and and again, probably a misunderstanding, based on on what I've read. I don't think it was a, an intentional thing that the the officer did, but that's kind of the the first really major incident that happened. This was before a a practice session. Um, was given a six month jail sentence, but again, um, extradition efforts by the Puerto Rican government not successful. And that obviously was was good for Bobby Knight. Uh, you have another incident early in his tenure. Uh, he was jogging to the practice facility. Uh, uh, well, actually, sorry, D- Douglas uh, Bluebaugh was jogging. He was the wrestling coach at IU from seventy three to eighty four, and this was early on in, in Knight's tenure. He was jogging the practice facility during bra- basketball practice. Knight yelled at him to leave, and he. <laughs> I mean, this is a wrestler, so he pinned Knight to the wall, told him to never repeat the performance he never did. <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, uh, that'd be something to see. Uh, having the confidence to go after a wrestling coach who was a 1960 Olympic gold medalist. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that'd be something to see, right? 
Uh, so that's that's another one. And then, I mean, we, we get down the list. Uh, you have, I think, the one he's most remembered by, the 1985 chair toss during one of the Purdue matchups where he threw a chair early on in the game. That's what everyone remembers. I mean, when when I said, oh, Bobby Knight died, my wife said, oh, the, the guy who threw the chair? I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that Yes, that guy. <laughs> so One of many exciting moments yes. for Bobby Knight. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, there, there are some other things that are a lot worse and some we obviously can't repeat or play on the radio. I think the the one that is really hard to to hear and, and something that he said during a 1988 uh, interview with Connie Chung. He said, I think that if rape is inevitable, relax and enjoy it. Not good. Um, now, the reference was a, a, a comment to an Indiana basketball game which he felt the referees were making poor calls against the Hoosiers. Um, so, I, I mean, it... Yeah. Anyway, we'll move on from that comment. I, I don't really know. I uh, can't not, really put it in any context yeah. that makes sense. But here's the thing with with Bobby Knight is he was his own man. He was a unique guy, and he came from a he was cut from a different different cloth. I mean, if if Bobby Knight tried to get a job in college basketball now, there's no way he would last. No, well, there's and, absolutely no way in how he approached things, in how he coached kids, and how he spoke to people. Uh, it, it, it wouldn't fly now. And his greatest, I think, strength was his passion for basketball and his players. But I think that also was his greatest weakness because he could not separate those from each other. Uh, You know, it was great when you were winning and having success. It was not great when you were losing or struggling. He just could not separate those things. And I think that that passion, that desire, unmatched among basketball coaches and a guy who he just wanted to win. Um, and, and win and do it in a way that was, you know, not, not cheating, but just win and, and had a passion as far as a tactician for that. But I think that also was one of his, his greatest downfalls. I mean, you, you hear former players and now not all of them, mind you, and we'll get to, to a story in a bit, but a lot of them have exceptional things to say about Bobby Knight and he was a great fit. For a lot of players, and maybe a not great fit for other players, and that's just the reality. And he was a dude that uh, that held grudges. I mean, when the '81 team celebrated 25 years, didn't come. When in in 2016, 1976 team had a 43-year, didn't come. I, I wholeheartedly believe that if if Bobby Knight was in sound mind in 2020, he's not at the assembly hall. That was a dude that was obviously sick and suffering from dementia. And and I think he knew where he was, but I just don't feel like the Bobby Knight in his quote-unquote prime is going back to Indiana because he held that grudge. Well, and he even said in in 2017, you know, he made some some comments about that on the Dan Patrick show. So I just feel like it, it was healing, I think, more for Indiana fans to see him back there than it was for Bobby and I, I, I wholeheartedly, you could see you, when he came out on the car, like this dude is sick. And I just have a hard time thinking that Bobby Knight of 10 years before that would, would go back to IU. And, and of course you can get into to so many different things, Bobby. he's just a complicated dude. And you ask 10 people opinions of Bobby Knight and you'll get 10 different answers. Mm-hmm. 
And, and I think the, the final thing, I mean, we have to get into be a firing at IU where, you know, the, the practice video came out of him accusing of striking Neil Reed. And then um, he was put on that zero tolerance policy by then IU president, Miles Brand. And then you, you have the, the incident, which I think the context of this is fascinating because it's the, the stepson of a local newspaper columnist in Bloomington is, is the guy who, who said, you know, what's up Knight?" And then Knight went off and, and, and grabbed him. Yeah. Which and that a, was a it. Dude, he was, he was baiting. Bobby yes. Knight. Oh, but absolutely. Of course he, he didn't have to react the way he did, but of course you knew what he was going to do. Just how Bobby Knight rolls. And, and then it was a wild, what was it a week? I mean, it felt like a week yeah, of I, students rallying in on campus in Bloomington. And it was just a wild time. Obviously we, we, we know he lost his job after that. Um, and that was Texas it. Tech and, uh, continued to coach, uh, after a while. And, but, uh, obviously going to be remembered for, I mean, that's the thing is people don't remember. He coached, what, seven or eight years at Texas Tech. Yes. It wasn't had, just a couple had of years. Had some success, led yeah. him to a sweet 16 He coached at Texas Tech. coached at Texas Tech longer than he was at Army, which and, is pretty amazing. I mean, had more success at Texas Tech than he had at IU late in his time at IU. Right. Uh, which is, is kind of crazy to think about. But they, they were able to get to a sweet 16, get to a round of 32. I remember some of those scenes. Andre Emmett, if you remember him. He was yep. pretty good. Pretty good basketball player. Uh, for Texas Tech in that time. Um, several texts coming in. Uh, CK, I remember back in the early 1980s when Bobby Knight brought IU basketball to the Coliseum. My father took me and my brother to that game. P.S. Did he write as his last wish to be buried upside down so his critics <laughs> could kiss his you-know-what? Yes, he he did. Uh, here it is. And my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past. I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my <laughs> uh, Love it, man. That's one of my favorite Bobby Knight quotes. Uh, another another text coming in. CK, a year prior to the last undefeated season in 76, an injury to Scott May most likely prevented IU going undefeated in 75 as well. Yeah, it, it, everyone focuses on the 76 team, but the 75 team was as good or better. It just got caught up by an injury. And and he, he knew that. He, he would be asked about winning the championship in 76 and he would respond should be too because he was upset that his team finished 31 and one lost to, to Kentucky that year. Um, he was just a guy that also just remembered his losses more than his wins. And, and so many coaches are like that. Yes. But Bobby Knight was definitely that dude that you could bring up the three national titles and he would bring up two or three years where they should have won national titles. Yeah, well, it's always the coaches are going to remember the ones that got away over the ones that you actually got. That's just kind of the the reality of the situation. Uh, Doug texting in, CK, you cannot praise a man like Knight when he brought so much shame to his university, signed Joe Paterno. Joe Paterno is another dude with a complicated legacy at Penn State. And, and, and Bobby Knight, I think, with time has healed wounds, I believe. It's not marginalizing the, the, the things he did. Or didn't do, but there's no doubt. There's no there's no doubting the impact that Bobby Knight had on Indiana, on this state, on college basketball as a whole. Um, before Peyton Manning was Indiana, 
Bobby Knight was Indiana. And we'll, we'll dive into that next, his impact on basketball in the state. And we're talking about a guy who was perhaps the most powerful figure in the state of Indiana for about 25 years. That's next. Caleb and Kitty in the morning, remembering Bob Knight here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kinney in the morning here on a Thursday. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney, 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. Again, 46862. Spinning today, remembering Bobby Knight, legendary IU coach, passing away at age 83 yesterday and diving into the impact he had on basketball in the state. We were just during the break kind of talking about, we're not going to do this as a topic because I, I hate this topic, but you know, who would be on the Mount Rushmore of Indiana sports, you know, in the state, and it's, you know, Bob Knight, Peyton Manning, Reggie Miller, and we came up with Larry Bird um, as far as some of the most influential people. You could add other names, um, obviously Oscar Robertson, Gene Cady, Bobby Plump. Yeah, um, it's those It's those. Four. Oscar Charlton, you know, a, a great uh, player in baseball. Um Major Taylor in cycling. I mean, there are a Man. lot of other names. Nope. Demarcus Beasley. Um, but his impact on basketball in the state. I, I mean, you go to a time from the the mid-70s to the, his firing at IU, basically. I mean, he, he was perhaps the most well-known and powerful person in the state for 25 years. Yeah. He... he... He was what Nick Saban is in Alabama in terms of his power in the state. And in a state obsessed with basketball and at the peak of that time period, I mean, think about this. He, he came to IU during basketball, maybe not quite at its peak, but in its heyday uh, with having the single class tournament. And that ended shortly before he was fired at IU. But to think about that aspect of it as well. I mean, the, Single-class basketball's peak felt like the, the 50s and 60s, but he came to IU shortly after. It was still incredibly popular. Uh, and then, obviously, going to class basketball in the late 90s and then night fired in 2000. Those things intersected with each other and the state having you know a lot of talented players. They still have talented players in basketball. Don't get me wrong. But the, the kind of community support for players in that era, I, I think we don't get to see something like that very often anymore. Now we saw it a few years ago with Romeo Langford, for example, um, but that's one of the more recent examples I can think of. Yeah. It's um, I guess if for, for those that didn't experience, it's tough to explain just what Bobby Knight meant to this state for decades for a long, long time. And his impact on the game. And, and that's even, you look at not over 900 career wins and three national championships and stuff and, and 11 Big Ten championships, made it to five Final Fours, a five-time uh, Coach of the Year uh, in the Big Ten, three-time AP Coach of the Year nationally. It, it was just uh, it was a storied career. It was a complicated career, as we've talked about, but he was the face of this, of this state in a basketball-crazed state. Uh, I, I know... So many people, well, it, it, you know, Katie and Knight, they weren't on the same level. Purdue fans would like to think they were, or at least Katie was. It wasn't. He was Knight's biggest rival, and it made the the series in the state, the rivalry in the state, a big one. But Gene Katie, 
never reach the heights of what Bobby Knight did, both in coaching and accomplishments and in terms of his his aura and his reputation and his notoriety. And uh, Knight was Knight was it. Knight was Knight was basketball in this state for almost 30 years. And he was basketball. He was college basketball's face for the better part of 15 years. I mean, you, you go through the, the mid seventies through the, the early nineties. Yeah. He was the coach. Yes, he was Indiana basketball. That was the heyday of Indiana basketball is the mid seventies to the late nineties or to the early nineties. That was it. And Bob Knight was the architect of that. Obviously, his his style of play, man-to-man defense, tough on players, playing tough defense, and also the motion offense that he created. I mean, think about how many coaches tried to emulate that uh, for, for a long, long time. And also the fact that with Knight, I, I mean, you're, you're coaching some some elite players, but IU is not known for having you know the elite talent. I mean, outside of like an Isaiah Thomas, that's not what IU was known for. He was the only dude to make it in the NBA. Yeah, he was the only guy to be an NBA All-Star, which is is mind-blowing. Um, so, again, a lot of great players. Scott May, Quinn Buckner, Isaiah Thomas, as I mentioned, Steve Alford, Calvert Chaney, Alan Henderson, the list goes on. But uh, his impact, he was a, a guy who found and assembled teams with his style, which is interesting. We'll get more on this in hour number two. There's a great modern comparison to that that we'll get to in the next hour. But also his coaching tree. I mean, Mike Krzyzewski, <laughs> for starters. Um, current IU head coach Mike Woodson. Both these guys played for him. There's been numerous other coaches who've played night and got on and got on to be head coaches Isaiah Thomas Randy Whitman uh, the list goes on and on and on so um, that, that's another aspect where a lot of his former players went on to be head coaches key smart uh, coaching in the NBA so there's that aspect too where successful players in his system got plenty of opportunities as head coaches and like we mentioned, that coaching tree, not just with his coaches and Coach K and all that, but players as well. And his players had, the majority of players had this um, this uh, this commitment to Bobby Knight that bordered lunacy at times, <laughs> a little bit. Like, you're looking at, like, why? But, but they were able to see Bobby Knight in intimate settings and how he was behind the scenes. And controversy bred controversy. So once you had Bobby Knight's controversy, everybody was seeking it. Everybody wanted to to be there for the next blow up or the next um, offhand comment or uh, the next uh, tantrum. And, and that's kind of where the media went to is to, to to find that next thing that they could pin on Bobby Knight instead of just looking at a dude and say, this is how he is. He's a dude cut from a different cloth. He's he's from a previous generation that um, had different opinions on things, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. He just never was able to adapt. And never adjust. was able to adapt, which it's fine. Like, he was who he was. That, that's the big thing is I just keep coming back to. It, is he was who he was. Complicated legacy, 
but you can't argue with what he was able to do with his teams and winning games and winning national championships and developing. And I think this is a big thing too, is developing good people. Well, and yeah, he was, you know, it wasn't just winning. He wanted to win, but he also wanted to get guys that fit his system. He also wanted to graduate players. I mean, he is what, what you want in a coach in those aspects, right? You, you want a guy who wants to win, but also wants people who fit the system, who, who fit the culture and the mold, right? That's what he was all about as a coach he, as far as on, on the court. He was not a win-at-all-costs no. man. No. He would not compromise what he felt was important on and off the court to win basketball games. And I think that's one thing that's not talked about enough is you look through college athletics, not even professionals, but let's talk about college athletics and football and, and basketball and making deals with the devil effectively and bringing guys in with character issues and attitude issues and all this stuff to win basketball games or to win football games. Bobby Knight never compromised who he was and what he said was important. You are going to play defense in Indiana. He never brought in somebody that said, well, his offensive talent is so good, we'll just try to hide him defensively. Or we'll take the good with the bad. He was always, if you're going to play for me, you are going to play defense. And you're going to play very, very tough defense. And I don't care what you do on the offensive side of the ball, offensive end of the court, is you are going to play defense. You are going to come in. You are going to run the motion offense. You are going to fit into what we do. We are not changing our systems for players. And that I think maybe was his greatest accomplishment in my mind is never going against what he thought was important for a player in his program in order to try to win. They won his way. And I think that's the biggest thing for me. Several texts, uh, Coming in, Knights players graduated, and uh, oof, I'm not going to read the rest of that. But yes, that is it's true. Like he was very focused on that. Uh, a couple of Purdue fans chiming in, I'm sure. So are we just going to ignore John Wooden? Seems weird. Here's the thing: yes, John Wooden was a great coach and played at Purdue, but his success did not come in the state of Indiana. I think that's the biggest difference. Yeah, like he was successful I, as a college player. John, his success and what he was known for came at UCLA. Yeah, John Wooden is not known as an Indiana native to anybody outside of Indiana. No. Nobody knows where John Wooden is from that cares about John Wooden outside of this state. So, no, in my opinion, no, he's not on the on the Mount Rushmore. But I don't like that tie. I don't like the yeah, tire yeah, topic. It's, it's, but uh, other ones coming in, despite all that, Gene Cady was 21-20 and 20 against Bobby Knight. What a rivalry on all levels. Not so fast. Uh-huh. Technically, Knight holds it. 21-20 because Purdue had to vacate a win. Ah, well, of course, those magical... <laughs> those, we want uh, to get into technicality. Those magical uh, technicality. CK, Bob's night method of recruiting Saturday afternoon phone call to the players home. Do you want to come to DNS? Sure, done deal. Go Hoosiers. Except in talking about Calbert Chaney. So Calbert Chaney was a guy that coaches were like, told by, hey, we got, you got to go see this guy. Yeah, and I remember this story. You got to go see this guy, okay? Uh, late 80s, you got to go see Calbert Chaney. So Bobby Knight does. Rarely did Bobby Knight go to schools to watch players. Okay, even in that day where you couldn't get online and 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 watch guys and stuff. So he head, heads down to uh, Harrison High School in Evansville, and Cheney just absolutely is terrible. 
terrible. And Bobby Knightley, and he tells his coaches, like, never, never, I'm never listening to you guys again to go watch a recruit. Okay. So time goes on and Calbert Cheney's profile continues to ray to, to rise and rise and rise. And I think that he initially commit to Evansville to play. I want to say he did. And then all of a sudden he comes to a summer camp, I guess. Calbert Cheney comes to a summer camp at IU has already commit to Evansville. And Bobby Knight's like, why aren't we recruiting this kid? And his coach is like, we, we did. We went to see his game and he stunk <laughs> and you said never, never to bring him up with you again. Well, at that point, then Calbert Cheney eventually switched, switched his commitment to, to Indiana. But this is an amusing story. It's like, ne- ne- never, no, I'm never going to watch these kids again that you tell me to go. And then he comes to a camp. He's like, why are we recruiting this kid? So, but that was the thing. That was recruiting for Bobby Knight was, was seeing kids play. He didn't care about, and this was pre- rivals and star rankings and all that stuff for sure. He just, yeah, there's nothing online. He never cared what guys did indiv- as individuals. It was all about what they brought to as a team. And uh, one other note I want to get to before we move on in hour number two to uh, other topics surrounding Bob Knight, his legacy in, in Indiana basketball, not just the program, but the state of Indiana basketball. A Big Ten network running uh, a, a programming slate dedicated to to Bob Knight. So it started actually at 11 o'clock last night. Uh, starting here in just a minute, Indiana at Purdue on January 9th, 1989 will air. They'll, they have a Remembering Bob Knight program that will run at 9 at 10 a.m. Michigan State at Indiana, uh, February 26, 2000. Is that the Kirk Haston game? Uh, I do. Be- what year? 2000? Or no? no that would have been Kirk 2001. Was, yeah. Um, um They'll yeah. also run the 76 NCAA championship game against Michigan at one o'clock this afternoon. They'll air remembering Bob Knight a couple other times as well. So big 10 network going all in on programming uh, for Bob Knight coming up on the other side in hour number two, IU basketball post night. I don't think we can talk about Knight's legacy without talking about the program after Bob Knight was fired. We'll get to that next. Plus also, Knight finding a way to elevate his teams at his peak. We touched on the lack of success his players had in the NBA. Interactions with Knight. We want you to send your interactions. We'll ask for those later around 8.30 and just experiences. And then we'll wrap up with a a fun non-Knight story at the end of the show. That's all to come. Hour number two, Caleb and Kenny in the morning, remembering Bob Knight here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hour number two, Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney with you, and you can join the conversation 46862, the text line number 46862. Just type in CK first in your, your question, comment, rant, whatever you have. Uh, we're spending the show today remembering legendary IU coach Bob Knight, who died yesterday at the age of of 83 coming up this hour on the show we'll talk about iu basketball post bob knight and the struggles they have had Uh, also how knight found a way to elevate his teams at his peak despite having a a lot of talented college players that didn't translate to success in the nba and interactions with that i i never had a a personal interaction with knight but uh, you can send any stories or interactions our way we'll get to that a bit Later on this hour on the show, then we'll wrap up with a interesting non-night story. Don't forget, is, is you it can, a bear story? No, oh, okay, not a bear story, unfortunately. 
Uh, you can stream us, 1380thefan.com, if you can't listen on your radio. Also on the free 1380thefan app on your phone. Again, free to download or on your smart speaker. So I think you talk about Knight, you talk about his success, you talk about his failures, but also I don't think you can have that conversation without Indiana basketball post-Knight, the last 20-plus years. Uh, they're they're linked, right? And it's, it's always hard to follow a legend in any sport. And IU following that, it's been a very mixed bag uh, since Knight. They've gone through a handful of coaches, They've had highs, they've had lows, and and who's to say, you know, if Mike Woodson is going to be that guy long term and can get things back on track, it would only make sense for a guy who is tied tonight. IU finally went that direction and, and to bring them success again, right? I mean, it just seemed to be the one thing they refused to do, and understandably so early on, but... You had Mike Davis, who was an assistant, who had just really joined the staff. He was promoted to interim head coach. Players stayed on for the most part. Had success, obviously, in year number two, getting to the national championship game. His first season, they upset number one Michigan State at Assembly Hall. Kirk Hasten hitting a, a game-winning three. I remember watching that game as a kid. Um, but then it it just kind of spiraled down. Uh, those were Knights players that he recruited. And then after that 2002 team, that magical run, it just really took a nosedive. When Bobby Knight was fired post uh, in 2000, IU was on a run of 15 consecutive seasons of making the NCAA tournament. Mike Davis would then make the tournament a further three times in a row. But here's the dichotomy between that Bobby Knight, 15 straight, Appearances in the NCAA tournament since 2000. Indiana has made the postseason tournament of the NCAA tournament 12 times. So 15 times in a row when Bobby Knight was fired since then, just 12 times total and no more than three straight years, which was the first three years of Mike Davis's tenure. Isn't that just impossible to believe in that wild? You've had Mike Davis, Kelvin Sampson, Tom Crean, Archie Miller, and now Mike Woodson trying to replace Bobby Knight. Woodson obviously making it his first two seasons, which was a huge step up after they failed to make it what the previous four. Now, granted, they would have made it in 2020 had the tournament been held. So that's kind of the the asterisk there. Yeah, but, but they weren't a very good team in 2020. No, no, they were making the tournament and that was it. Yeah, but they, they were still not what Indiana expects out of its basketball team. This wasn't a four-loss team that could have, would have, should have in 2020. Well, and nothing really encapsulates to me, you know, the highs and lows in the post Bob Knight era is, is Tom Crean. I mean, two Big Ten titles, outright Big Ten titles in four years, handful of Sweet Sixteens, and then in between that, you're, you're missing the tournament. So you on, could on, say on the other side, you could say Tom Crean has come closest to being the best coach post Bobby Knight because of his success there. At the end, it wasn't. But the year before he was fired, he won the Big Ten and got to the Sweet 16. Yeah. Oh. IU fans would kill to have a season like that. Oh, absolutely. And is there something to be said that Knight's tenure coincided, we talked about this a little last hour, but it coincided with the end of the, the single-class basketball system and then also Peyton Manning going to the Colts and, and football becoming, I would say, almost a bigger sport 
in this state on so many levels compared to what it was before. Um, is there any impact there? Is that is there something to be said for that? The fact that Peyton Manning comes in, football the last 20 years has felt like it's a, a more popular sport in this state. The Colts obviously having success at trickling down uh, some to the college level, but definitely to the high school level. The growth of high school football in the state has, has certainly hit a kind of a, a new level the last 20 plus years. And I think a lot of that just can be attributed to Peyton Manning, like indirectly, obviously. Right. Um, I, is there something to be said for that? I think the ascension of football in this state that on the back of Peyton Manning coincided with the decline of basketball in this state. And part of that decline was the departure of Bobby Knight and the ensuing decline of Indiana Hoosier basketball. In the mid 2000s, you had 2002 and the magical run that was. After that, the decline of IU basketball was precipitous. It, it declined big time. And it's never returned to that. So I think part of the, the rise of football and the Colts and Peyton Manning in this state was helped by Bobby Knight's departure and the ensuing not collapse, but the decline of Indiana Hoosier basketball that they've never really been able to recover from that. Well, and also on an administrative level, things changed. I mean, you have different presidents rolling through different ADs for, for better sometimes and for worse in others. But I mean, for a long time, a lot of people said, well, the administration's not committed to winning in basketball, you know, like they used to be. And a lot of people blame presidents for that. I've seen that out there. Whether it's true or not, I, I'm not in those meetings and, and not aware, but that, that was always kind of the, the storyline as part of the reason why. Now, it's different in the athletic department, at least now, where you have a, a former you know, a, a team manager for basketball who's under night and, and obviously an IU grad, and Scott Dolson is the AD. It always helps when you have someone in-house who, who values that sport as part of the university but it's still no guarantee for success, obviously, right. either. Exactly. You know, you look at Bobby Knight's legacy and everybody focuses on the 900 wins and the three three uh, championships with Indiana. It, it was a team that throughout the course of his almost 30 years of Indiana, just it, it, it was in his image and it had all of the imperfections uh, that Bobby Knight has. But in the end, it was his team. It was his players. They played the way he wanted to. Would it have worked in 2023? I have my doubts. But he was perfect for the era in which he coached. And nobody can doubt his genius in terms of coaching basketball. Nobody can do that. You can question the man. You can not like the man. You can marginalize his... Uh, his acts and behavior and all that stuff, but what you can't take away and what you can't deny is his impact on the game of basketball and particularly the game of basketball in Indiana. There was, there was pre night and there was post night at Indiana. IU won two national championships prior tonight. Now the tournament long, has changed long time ago. Yeah. Significantly. Over the years, I mean, back then at, at the earliest, it was eight teams and then they doubled it to 16, eventually got to 32. 
and then now we've seen 64 and now 68. But the tournament has changed in stature. I mean, the NIT was more popular early on to win that tournament than to win the NCAA tournament. Now that that changed, you know, probably right around the time that Knight won his first championship. That's when things started to to shift toward the NCAA tournament over the NIT. But I mean, there was really no connection. Yes, there was success, but that wasn't even viewed as the the preeminent tournament at the time when IU won prior to Knight. Knight was a 1940-1953, mm-hmm. the two previous with Branch and McCracken. Without Bobby Knight, IU is not what it is. It's 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 pointing to its two banners as opposed to its its five banners. But uh, it, what he what he meant to Indiana and the state is uh, it, it's it's difficult to quantify because it was so big. And, and even his detractors, even his haters, his most mo- most virulent haters, still gave him credit as being one of the best basketball coaches of all time. And we'll talk about this on the other side, about how he elevated his teams at the peak of his his coaching tenure down in Bloomington. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, remembering Bobby Knight here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on a Thursday. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney, 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. Again, 46862. Just type in CK first, then... Your comments, send them our way as we remember Bob Knight throughout the show this morning. One thing we we briefly touched on earlier, but Bob Knight found a way to elevate his teams. And, and this, I think, says it all. Only one player who, who played for Coach Knight went on to play in an NBA All-Star game. Isn't that wild to think about? A coach who has so much Crazy. success. I mean, you can talk about... Players who were drafted in the NBA. I mean, obviously, Kent Benson, a number one pick in the late 70s, who was on those great IU teams in 75 and 76. Um, you had Calvert Chaney, Big Ten all-time leading scorer, Alan Henderson. I mean, guys who had long NBA careers, um, but only Isaiah Thomas went on, and, and he was an elite talent when he came to IU. That was no surprise. I mean, he left after his sophomore year, back when players didn't do anything like any anything close to something like that. So it's it's kind of hard to believe, but that goes to show you how much he went for culture and fit and system over stockpiling talent when it came to not only recruiting, but also his coaching philosophy. Another reason why just I don't think Bobby Knight's approach would work now because so many people are infatuated with stars and bringing guys in and, and doing that. So many people point to Brad Stevens as this generation's Bobby Knight, right? For what he did at Butler with guys that weren't very highly recruited, but he was able to do what he did without bringing in consistently quote unquote top talent. He was able to get really good players. Some of the best players in this state's history. You talk about guys like Damon Bailey and Calbert Chaney and stuff like that. Steve Alford. And Yet, not, just never had those absolutely stacked teams in terms, particularly in the '80s, where you, oh my gosh, these are future NBA players. What he did was he brought in guys once again that fit the system, that fit Indiana, and they succeeded. And they were able to go on and do things in the NBA, but largely based on what they were able to do at Indiana, not necessarily how their game translated to the NBA. Now it's uh, uh, this is, and unfortunately, is. 
well, let's talk about Mike Woodson, for example, is how many how many players have you heard when they're recruited by Indiana or decide to come to Indiana? The reasoning is, well, he has NBA experience and he knows what it takes to get to the NBA. A lot. A lot of guys. And that that's the that's a selling point now. But that was the last thing on the mind of Bobby Knight was how how am I going to help this player achieve his potential and get to the NBA? But what he did do is win a hell of a lot of basketball games and he graduated his players at a clip that was almost double what the average clip was back in the day and had reputable young men that he that played for him and almost all of them would go to bat for him even today and i think that's that's another part that just kind of adds to it is that despite everything on and off court, a majority, and again, a majority, from what we've read and seen, would would, would go to bat for Coach Knight and, and had very positive things to say about it. Now, I, I was reading Isaiah Thomas, I think, said that Knight would find a way to push you to your limit and get you go past it, even though you didn't think it was possible. But he'd get you to that place on the court. He always wanted more from his players. And push them. And th- that transcends basketball. It, it goes across life. Right? Just when you think you can't go any further, he, you find a way to go further. It's kind of what he instilled in his players. And you mentioned Brad Stevens is, at least in the aspect of the, the team development, being a guy who, in, in more modern times, you know, was able to kind of take that concept and became the Butler way, and they did it across several coaches. Now, it's not worked last handful of years but that kind of process is finding guys that fit this i mean that's what bob knight did for years and he owned the state in recruiting at a time when basketball in the state was was second to none there's no competition with football you didn't have an nfl team for the first nearly decade of uh, decade plus of his tenure so that obviously helps um it was notre dame football and iu basketball yes. in this state and I know people that tell well, reversible jackets and blah, that, that's what it was back in the day. There, there, there was no Colts. There were no Colts. There were the, no Pacers. The Pacers weren't in the NBA up until what the the early '80s, and they were not successful at all up until Reggie Miller came around and started having success in the '90s. I mean, it just success was not there. You, and same with the Colts for the first, you know, fifteen plus years, their time in Indy outside of '95, there just was not much success there. Speaking of success and Bobby Knight, six full years at Texas Tech after Indiana, five 20-win seasons. That's where he passed Dean Smith as the all-time winningest coach in Division I basketball in 2007 when he got win number 880. And I think this quote says a lot about Bobby Knight and was talked about talked to after breaking the record and saying, quote, I've simply tried to do what I think is best. Regrets, sure, just like the song, talking about My Way by Frank Sinatra, which is what was played when he celebrated his 880th win. I wish I could have done things better at times. I wish I would have had a better answer, a better way at times, but just like he said, I did it my way, and when I look back on it, I don't think my way was all that bad. Bobby Knight had his flaws. We all have our flaws. Some of us have big flaws. Bobby Knight had some big flaws, but Unlike Bobby Knight, many of us don't have those flaws exposed to the masses, to the world. We deal with our demons and our issues internally or away from the public eye. But Bobby Knight was 
not afforded that luxury, nor should he have been because he was a public figure. But at the same time, I, I think a lot more people can relate to Bobby Knight than maybe want to care to admit. And we all have our issues that we have to deal with. He just had his in front of millions of people. And I don't feel like he ever really shied away from it. I mean, he was who he was. And I think a lot of people, you know, you talked about this before, but athletes and coaches and, and celebrities, people in general, I think they can be nice in front of the right people. And then a completely different person behind closed doors. I don't think, I don't think he changed who he was. No. Uh, I mean, his loyalty was a strength and a weakness, right? And, and that just goes to, to the same for a lot of people. Um, the loyalty and the way he held grudges was was uh, definitely strength and weakness. And, you know, as far as team development, we talked about Brad Stevens. I think it'd be a failure on our part, our part if we didn't talk about Matt Painter as well, kind of finding guys that fit the system and coaching them up uh, for success using that same formula at Purdue. I mean, you say this all the time, but, I mean, Matt Painter is the same style, you know, minus the temper as the same style of coach as a Bobby Knight, where he's not going out and recruiting, you know, elite guys, but he's finding guys that fit his system. He's coaching them up. They're not there for a year or two and going off to the NBA for the most part. I mean, obviously you do have your, your Jaden Ivies uh, and your Caleb Swanigans from time to time, but he's finding guys. And then by their junior and senior years, they're ready to run the show and be key pieces on the team and lead them to success. And that's something you can't can't discount. You can't argue against. 46862, the text line number 46862. I think just the the aspect of him and 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 yes, did did he have uh, on the coaching level? Did he have his failures the final 5 or so years? Yes, he did. I think society was changing before him and he was not catching up and instead of players like, you know, Isaiah Thomas, for example, said he, he thought about transferring basically every other day, his freshman year at Indiana. And then obviously they went on to go and win a championship his sophomore year in, in 1981. But that caught up to him in the late nineties. I feel like his society was changing and players. He just said, you know, I'm not going to, if it wasn't a good fit for them, they were just going to go somewhere else. And we, we saw great players leave and transfer out, and that was their choice, and that's fine. But I think that was really kind of the, the beginning of the end. Uh, his time at IU was always going to end eventually, right? and I get that it maybe came a, a bit sooner than, than people expected uh, just with the with, between Neil Reed and then the, the Kent Harvey incident. But I, I think the writing had, had been on the wall for a bit regardless by that time. It just felt like the game was passing him by at Indiana in terms of the expectations. But then again, we look back at some of those seasons that he had late in his career at Indiana and you go, man, those would be great seasons for IU now. Um, I mean, you look at a couple of years with in the mid nineties when they, um, when they won the, when they came close to winning the big 10 finished second, I mean, his last year, they were 20 and nine. I mean, IU fans would be over the moon if the Hoosiers went 20 and nine this year. Uh, so it's just, it's all relative, but then showed that he still had it at least at a place where the expectations weren't as high at Texas tech. You go to you're at Indiana, you win 20 games, you lose in the first weekend of the tournament. That's not, 
where the expectations are, even though you get raises for that now if you're Mike Woodson. Texas Tech, you win 20-plus games and get to the tournament and maybe even win a game occasionally. Got to the Sweet 16 at least once that I remember. Yes. You're revered at Texas Tech, right? Multiple NCAA tournament bids. So maybe the game had passed him by in terms of the expectations at Indiana, but he fit right in at Texas Tech. Yeah, and I I think that that was a a way for him to regroup, finish out his career, and, and again, have success start fresh because I think at Indiana it was kind of becoming like a a Bobby Bowden situation where Florida State had clearly fallen off at the end of Bobby Bowden's tenure as a Florida State football coach and it was you know kind of like that awkward what do we do here and then they got Jimbo Fisher's you know an offensive coordinator and Bowden able to to win a bowl game and finish with the winning record as last year and then they eventually Moved on. It's it's a delicate, delicate, awkward situation, right? When you have a coach where, okay, it's time to move on, but you can't force them really to retire, and you wonder, you know, how many more years until that would have happened at Indiana, or would Knight have have done what Mike Davis did in two thousand two, and it wouldn't have mattered. It would have bought him another five years, right? You you don't know, but it, it ended. I feel like when it should have ended, I feel, at, at Indiana. And, you know, and remembering Bobby Knight this morning going through so many of the positives and negatives, and, and he was just, just, that's him. He's a complicated dude, flawed guy. He would be the first to admit it. But we, we all are flawed to a certain extent. I go back to some of the, the most uh, revered people in history, in this country's history, whether it's athletes, whether it's politicians, whether it's movie stars, Horrible people in terms of racism and sexism and homophobia and all this stuff. Like just, just bad people that get, have got, get a pass for what they've done. And you look at Bobby Knight in comparison and you say he was none of those. He was an ass, but he wasn't a, a, a tremendous ass like some of the people that are revered in this country. So it's all about perspective, I think, when we talk about Bobby Knight. Absolutely. Coming up on the other side, we want to hear from you. 46862, the text line number 46862. If you ever had an interaction or a story with Coach Knight, send them our way. Again, 46862. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, remembering Bobby Knight, IU coach passing away at age 83. Uh, that will we'll continue on with more here on Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kitty in the morning here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney, remembering Bob Knight, the IU coaching legend, passing away at age 83 yesterday, the general, as he was known. Obviously, his health declined in recent years, um, but he was able to come back and, uh, I guess, make like th- make amends to some extent. I, I think it meant more to the people in the crowd and to, to people in the state that he came back to Assembly Hall in 2020, then maybe it did for night. But I think it, it was the closure everyone needed on that situation. I think that was the biggest thing was closure for a lot of people that were so invested in that and hoping and praying that Bobby Knight would return on good terms, and he did. Now, I'll go back to what I said in the first hour. I don't think if, if Bobby Knight was of sound mind, he makes that decision to go back, because that's just the kind of the dude he was and holding grudges. But it was good 
to see him back. It, it is an emotional video to watch and even more emotional when you factor in that IU lost to Purdue. That I, Archie Miller could even win that game. When Bobby yeah, it's it kind of sucked some of the energy out of it. But it, it's interesting to watch that video. And I think that's a perfect video to watch to understand what he meant. And, and people that are in their fifties and sixties, of course, revere Bobby Knight for a certain way and and us in in 30s and 40s but you saw a lot of young people college people that 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 knew that understood what Bobby Knight means and meant to Indiana and you see there were there were tears from young people that had never seen Bobby Knight coach a game at at Indiana that just knew how much he impacted the university and the program. I'm going to do something that uh, we've not done on the show, but I think this is the time to do it. Uh Uh-oh. Someone texting in. They have a a good story. Too much to text. So here's the thing. Uh, You can text in at 46862 or call 260-447-8500 if you have a a Bob Knight story. Uh, Obviously, keep it clean. (laughs) Um, But uh, again, 260-447-8500. 8,500 if you have any Bob Knight stories. Um, let I never us know. had any personal interaction. No, I didn't either. My, I mean, I remember when Bob Knight was fired. I was a kid. This is kind of a, like a wild time. I, I think at the time I would have been 11 years old. Um, and then really the, the only other thing I can think of that came to mind was I lived in, in Lubbock for a bit and it was wild to be driving around listening to the local sports radio station there i think on a saturday morning and i i heard a voice on the air and i realized after a bit of time wait a second that's bobby knight on the radio because he lived in lubbock for a a long time uh, out in west texas you not just from his coaching career but also stayed there and here he was on the radio doing an interview on a saturday morning show so it was just kind of the the most unexpected thing uh, that came up. But uh, we have a guest online. Who are we speaking with here on the radio? Hey, yeah, this is Paul. Paul? All right, what's your story? Well, uh, years ago, and this was obviously years ago, my wife worked at a sport uh, apparel company, and uh, she poked fun at me, said that, yeah, they're going to a uh, trade show where Bob Knight's going to be there. And it was just a joke, and I was like, oh, my gosh, yeah, you know, I should go with you. But then she said she was just kidding. Well, they get there, and he was actually there, unbelievably. <laughs> and I know. <laughs> yeah, crazy story, because I was like, man, I should have taken the day off. But So anyway, she gets up to meet him, and she's talking to him, and she said, this was back in, uh, well, we got married in 93. And so on our honeymoon, she told Bob that, uh, that well, first she, he said that, she said that uh, me and my brother are big IU fans, and and then she told him that we even had to watch the uh, basketball game, the Michigan at Michigan game in '93, uh, on our honeymoon. And he kind of laughed and he said, "Well, I hope your brother or his brother wasn't with you." <laughs> 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 so that's typical. That's typical, Bobby. So he obviously knew that he wasn't with us, but it sounded funny because you know, start of the conversation was me and my brother were big fans, and we watched you on the honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. That is outstanding. That's something I I could definitely see Coach Knight saying. Thanks so much for the phone call, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Yep, yep. Yep, bye.
260-447-8500. Also, 46862 on the text line. Uh, if you have a Bob Knight story, let us know. Caleb and Kenny in the morning. But yeah, it's... I mean, we were kids when when he was you know, either at his peak or late in his career. Um, I mean, I was just a kid when he was fired. So it was really hard for me to have any interaction. You know, I met some other IU coaches in the past, met Tom Crean once. Uh, he was, he was pretty cordial. Um, but did you see him in, were you guys both going to the tanning salon? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. No, I saw him like at an IU event in, in college that he was like signing and like he was signing like the, the you know, just the typical, like, has his picture on it and you yeah. sign it but i was wearing like the cream and crimson shirt and then uh-huh. he's like oh you want me to sign your shirt too and i was like oh yeah like i didn't even sure. like think about it yeah um that text come in ck seemed like he took joy in pushing the media and iu administration in his last years at iu it was something to watch he always liked pushing the media cantankerous for cantankerous, sure dude and it, I, you talk to uh anybody that's uh that's a media member they probably have a story oh i'm sure and again, 46862, the text line number 46862, or 260-447-8500, as I think we have someone else coming up on the guest line that we'll get to here momentarily. But again, if you have a Bob Knight story, uh, let us know, uh, either on the phone line, 447-8500, or 46862. And someone else who wants to share a short story, who is this on the line? Hey, this is Mark. Mark? Yep. All right, buddy. Go so right ahead. Mother, what do you got? Well, I texted you just earlier, but my mother, she was the athletic secretary, and, I, and that, that's when it was IPFW under the tenure of Andy Piazza. And uh, they were hosting a $100 plate dinner that evening, for, uh, and Mr. Knight was the speaker, of course. But he was a very charming man towards my mother. And uh, the pictures we got are incredible. We've got those pictures hanging on my brother's wall right next to the picture of the shot that Keith Smart drained. But, uh, you know, their arms are around each other and big smile on Bobby Knight's face. And my mom said he was just the most charming and flirtatious man she'd ever been around. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. All right, thanks, Mark. That's Mark with the phone call. Thanks to Mark. Again, uh, we have a little bit more time. Uh, before we move on, but 46862 or 260-447-8500 if you have a story or something you'd like to share with a, a personal interaction with Coach Knight, let us know. I guess my question would be now, how does Indiana remember Bobby Knight? Because there's there's nothing around the assembly hall or anything. There's nothing named. No. There's not a statue. I mean, it's Branch McCracken Court. Right. So you, I mean... You can't change the court name. Yeah, there, there's no bronze bust of Bobby. Like, is there something that now that he is gone, gone from Indiana, that they do? And and like you mentioned, you can't be the courts, Branch McCracken Court. Um, you're not renaming the assembly hall or anything. He, he turned down a statue previously, but now he can't turn it down. Hall. Correct. So I, I just wonder what what I, I imagine it'll be something. But what will it be? Is it as simple as a statue somewhere in the in the uh, mezzanine or something at the assembly hall? Could be. I, I mean, here's the thing: he didn't want it. It depends, you know, what his family decides to do or not do as well in that situation. Yes, very true. 
Uh, text coming in to uh, four six eight six two. My buddies and I would constantly quote the leaked locker audio versus Purdue. <laughs> was that the one where he was like, I'm sick and Evan tired yeah. of losing to Purdue every year? Yes. Yes. That's a classic. <laughs> Great audio. Just can't play it on the radio. Yeah, like most things of Bobby and I, like the, the outtakes from his old golf show. Have you ever watched those? <laughs> yes. Oh, just hysterical. <laughs> just amazing. Uh, I, I could watch that for like, go look it up. If you have don't know what we're talking about, go to YouTube and just search. I'm search, sure you can search Bobby Knight golf show or something. And the outtakes from the show. Tremendous. Just tremendous. Something else of note. I, I want to get to real quick. Archie Miller of all people had, had some very positive. He said he was really good to me. There's not four or five coaches in the game of basketball period that are as good as him. Archie Miller, now the head coach at Rhode Island. He's been there. I think this is now his second season that he's about to start, but even Archie Miller, former IU coach who um, did obviously, you know, coach at Indiana, not have success. One of those mini coaches to not have success at IU post Bobby Knight, but had positive things and, and was there as the head coach when Knight returned to Assembly Hall. And I think too is something to remember with uh with with Bobby Knight and um and and Dean Smith for that. Both both suffered through dementia in their late, later couple couple years. And I think it's a reminder to appreciate not just the Dean Smiths and the Bobby Knights of the world, but but everybody that you that you know and family and and stuff because at some point either they're going to be gone permanently or they're gone mentally or or and and we saw that with Dean Smith and we saw it with Bobby Knight is is just the the importance of appreciating what you have and 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 all that I think that's a lesson too when you look at two great coaches as both kind of went in similar fashion both I think died at eighty three I think Dean Smith died at eighty three and had dementia so two of the greatest coaches of all time in college basketball, similar paths in terms of their later years. And, uh, and, and it's the worst when you have two of those br- bright minds that, that they just seem to go away. But I know that impacts so many other people with dementia and Alzheimer's coming up on the other side. We'll wrap up the show here on a Thursday. Right, let's have some fun. Uh, Florida police have finally caught up to the elusive booty patrol. Roaming the streets. We'll get to that story next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Wrapping up here on a Thursday and final story to get to today. The elusive booty patrol is no longer on the run in DeSoto (laughs) County, Florida. This is phenomenal. Police, uh, the DeSoto County Sheriff's Office, were warning the public about a driver who was impersonating law enforcement under the booty patrol moniker. Literally stickers on this... Uh, Chevy Silverado, a white pickup. There were decals on the pickup truck. And uh, a traffic stop was conducted on Sunday. Driver was given a citation, which pertains to certain lights prohibited. Yeah, he had red and blue lights yeah. on the car. Well, they're pulling do. people over. You can't yes. do that. I mean, that's impersonating an officer, obviously. So I am all for booty patrol. <laughs> I encourage people to be part of the booty patrol. But don't pretend you're border patrol. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that. I mean, green decals like that. That's what it was made to look like. <laughs> and obviously, they have stopped the driver and and taking care of the incident at least for now. But just absolutely uh, wild, hysterical. Uh, yeah, I appreciate a good booty patrol, but not uh, not impersonating officers. But yeah, at red and blue lights, 
Uh, and again, green decals and stickers like a Border Patrol vehicle would have. He said, uh, posted photos of the truck on social media to raise awareness about people impersonating authorities. He's only out there trying to raise awareness as Booty Patrol. So he's serving, he's doing a public service, <laughs> but he just has to be careful on uh, on his, um, how he does that, how he portrays that. Just, uh, this is good. Just a classic Florida man case. Oh, absolutely. Only in Florida. I'm going to get some of those decals and just slap them all over your car. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> for I Justin sla- Kinney. I could slap them over some of the cars that have been sitting in our yeah, lot for yeah, seemingly days. Yeah, there have been random cars just sitting in the parking lot for several days yeah, untouched. Maybe they're booty patrol undercover. I don't know. <laughs> for Justin Kinney, I am Caleb Hatch. Dan Patrick Show coming up next. The Herd with Colin Coward at noon. Indiana Sports Beat with Jim Coyle. Sure, you'll get a lot more remembering Coach Knight on that show today from 3 to 4. And, of course, also on the Sports Rush with Brett Rump from 4 to 6. Final chance to win IU football tickets as the Hoosiers host Wisconsin this Saturday at Memorial Stadium. That's all to come today here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.